As you can tell, the Christmas decorations are up. It seems like every year they're going up earlier and earlier, aren't they? <laughs> Do you know that uh, originally Christmas trees, uh, they were lit with candles. Uh, they were lit because they wanted pe people to be better see the decorations that were on the tree. But as you might guess, lighting a tree with real candles and a real fire can get quite dangerous. Uh, and then in, uh, in the late 1800s, there was a man named Edward Johnson who was a, a personal friend of Thomas Edison. He was the one who invented the first Christmas lights in the late 1800s. Uh, and then in the early 1900s, by that time, the, that's when the very first outdoor Christmas lights were produced. And as you can tell, we've never looked back. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning. I'm not a big fan of Christmas lights. I know that shocks you. But every year... My wife wants to travel. Let's go to this neighborhood and see the lights. And let's go to that neighborhood and see these lights. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> or to put it in better character, bah humbug. <laughs> There's a little bit of extra commentary from someone in the front row that we're going to just ignore for right now. But I much prefer looking at the true light and examining the true light. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. In the Gospel of John, I'm going to read uh, from the first chapter, of the first nine verses. Listen, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. Come on, say that with me. His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Amen. God sent the man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, everybody say true light, true light, who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. John was obviously talking about Jesus Christ. Here he is called the word, uh, the, the word of God, the living word of God, the logos of God. Uh, John identifies him as the one that was coming into the world. When John began to 
tell others and to preach uh, about the good news and the the coming one, uh, people began to think that he was the light, that he was the one that would bring divine understanding, that he was the one that would bring life as it were. And for them, life meant freedom from Roman oppression that at that point the nation was under. Uh, And so John declares that he was not the light, that this John the Baptist was not the light, but there was the true light, which was Jesus Christ, that John the Baptist was sent to point people toward the true light, that being Jesus Christ. And notice that darkness can never extinguish the true light. That, that, and what that means is that Darkness can never fully understand and or overcome the true light. Darkness can never fully understand Jesus Christ, nor could it ever overcome him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments about this contrast between darkness and light. See, because Christmas is all about not just the, the trees and, and all the decorations, but it's lights on the houses, it's lights everywhere that we see. And so I think it's appropriate that we talk about light this morning because light just simply means that which illuminates and also gives life. When we think about uh, light, we first have to look at the most natural light that we have, and that is the sun. And the sun illuminates. Can you imagine? How many of you, well, most of you are too young, but way back in the 60s, well, there was this huge blackout. And uh, of course, my wife and I, we were in New York at that time. And I'm telling you, when, when there is a blackout, and, and there are no lights and there's darkness all around, it can get quite scary. And so it was for us. Uh, blackouts have a way of just showing us what life would be like without light. And we know that there's no life that can exist without light. If there was no sun, there would be no life on the earth. And so when we talk about light, We talk about that which not only illuminates, and for us spiritual, we're talking about it giving understanding, but also giving life. And John declared that Jesus was the true light. The word true there means original. It means the one that was intended from the very beginning who was with the father, the very beginning that everything that the father created, he created with this true light, which the, which the word of God, that who, Jesus Christ that was with the father, everything that was created was created through him, for him, and it is through Christ that everything has Life, John declared. Jesus himself said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You see, Jesus is the true light. 
Religion is not the true light. Why? Because religion can never, ever produce understanding. Listen to me. Spiritual understanding does not come through religion. You can receive knowledge of some, some, uh, of some traditions. You can receive knowledge even of some of the things that outline in the Bible. But spiritual understanding can never be attained through religion. In fact, religion oftentimes produces darkness. It gives the illusion that you have light when in fact you have darkness. Religion can never, ever produce life. That's why we always try to teach us here, uh, not, uh, not just uh, us as individuals, but within our family structures. Specifically, I want to talk to and remind parents, you cannot give your children law. Law never produces life. If you, all you give them is rules and regulations, you should not be surprised if you don't have life. Because religion, which is a set of rules and regulation, can never, ever produce life. It gives the illusion, the deception that there is life. When in fact, you can have darkness. I remember growing up, my parents would send us to church and we would get what they called religious instruction and I'm trying to read the Bible and to, and to memorize it and to try to understand that. But that in and of itself never produced life in me. It only gave me the illusion that I was fine and right before God. So religion will never produce life. Therefore, it is never the true light. Now, here's another thing. Personal morality is not the true light. Now, what we mean by that, let me break that down for us. Personal morality is this thing that I obtain when I think I am doing that which is right in the eyes of God. When I think that I'm living a good life, a decent life, see, I begin to be deceived into thinking that that's going to give me life. I have spiritual understanding because I know the difference between that which is right and wrong. But knowing the difference between that which is right and wrong in and of itself is not spiritual understanding. You don't need the spirit to know the difference between right and wrong. Personal morality. My mom used to believe that she didn't have to receive Christ as her savior because she didn't see herself as a, as a sinner. She never drank in her life. She didn't smoke. She didn't do drugs. She didn't, she didn't gamble. She never did all any of that stuff. All she ever did was be a wife and a mother to six beautiful children. <laughs> so it was difficult in the beginning to share the gospel with her because she didn't see the need. She, there was darkness in her life. Why? Because she thought my personal morality is sufficient to get me right with God. No personal morality is not the true light. It will never produce understanding, nor will it ever produce life. Jesus Christ 
and he alone is the true light. He is the only one that can give spiritual understanding and life. And that's why Jesus said, if you follow me, you will have the light that produces life. You see? So following Jesus Christ is what gives us this spiritual illumination, is what gives us this spiritual understanding, real, genuine spiritual understanding and life. Now, darkness can be identified simply as the absence of light. Or if I put it in, our, in spiritual context, the absence of understanding and life. Now, if I really want to break it down, here's, to me, the, the simple identification and explanation for darkness. Darkness is the absence of Christ. That's what darkness is. Darkness is the absence of Christ. Why? Because Jesus is the true light. So when you don't have Jesus, you don't have light. That means you're in darkness. And every one of us is born into darkness. Every one of us is born lacking this genuine spiritual understanding. And we're born lacking spiritual life. That's why we're born with this inner emptiness that we often can't identify, that we try to fulfill with the things that this life has to offer, only to discover that no matter what we pursue, it never truly satisfies. That's because you and I were created by God for God, and only God can truly satisfy your soul. You see? But because of sin... We're born in this darkness. And now, as Jesus said, we have to choose to follow Christ. We have to choose to embrace him as our Lord and our Savior so that we can be transferred out of darkness into the light. Listen to Corinthians, uh, Colossians, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 13. For he, meaning God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. When you embrace Jesus Christ as your savior, when you recognize I have sinned before God, I, I'm living my life that is wrong before God and I can't get it right with religion. I can't get it right with personal uh, morality. I only can get that right by embracing Jesus Christ as my savior. When we do that, the Bible says we are now transferred from this kingdom of darkness that we are a part Part of that we're all born into into the kingdom of his son which is the kingdom of true light and when we are transferred into this kingdom we become now children of the light we become now the uh, as a christian we become people of the light so the question I want to look at this morning with you, how am I to live my life 
as a child of the light. And using the illustration that you can see of the tree here, where the, these lights are shining, if we are, each one of these lights will represent every child of God, every Christian, every believer. How are you and I to shine? How are we to live this life so that the world will see that the light that is in us, which is the light of Jesus Christ? That's the question we need to look at and examine. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 5, let's look at verse 8 through 11 for a moment. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Come on, say that with me. Live as people of light. One more time. Live as people of light. Verse 9 says, For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Verse 10, Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. So notice, we were once darkness, but now we're into the light. And as children of the light, one of the things that identifies that we are in fact living in the light is that these deeds that are good and right and true. But here's the issue for me. Who defines what's good? Who defines what's right? How do you determine what's true? We are living in an age where the most proficient thing that we see, even in church, is that everyone is beginning to live their life based upon what they believe is right. Based upon their personal philosophy of what is good. What is true. And so what winds up happening is my right is different than your right. And, and, and your good is different than my good. And what this one says is true, I call a lie. And so we have this mixture going around, even in the church of God, where we find people who are sincere, but sincerely wrong. You see, God is not impressed with sincerity. The issue with God is never your sincerity as opposed to what is true? What is good? What is right? How can you and I identify that in such a way so that we are true lights the way he's the true light? If Jesus Christ is the true light, then I would submit to you that it is imperative that you and I live a life that is a reflection of the true light. Not a reflection of other lights, but a reflection 
of the true light. Notice what the Bible says in verse 16. If you could put verse 16 back up onto the screen for me here for a moment. Uh, uh, not verse 16, I'm sorry, I got the, the, the wrong verse. I'll tell you which one it is in a moment. Uh, verse uh, da, da, oh, 10, I'm sorry, verse 10. Listen to what it says there in verse 10. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. In order for you and I to, to determine that which is good and right and true, we need to go to Jesus Christ. Because he and he alone is the one that can identify and reveal to us that which is good, that which is right, that which is true. We cannot, listen to me, we cannot, we must refuse to live by the light of this world. This world will tell you this is what's right. This world's light will reveal to you this is what's good. This world's light will tell you this is the thing that you need to do that is true. But remember, this world's light is not the true light. Many have been swallowed up mesmerized by the light of this world thinking this is the way it's illuminating oh this is the truth this is what it's it just seems right it seems good it seems good it seems true but is it really listen the light of this world though it may seem good Though it may seem right, though it may seem true, can never, ever, ever bring true spiritual understanding and therefore life. When we live our life based on the world's philosophy, we're starting to walk in darkness again. We think we're, we're walking by a, a light, but remember, it's not a true light. And therefore, it's deceiving us, thinking this is the way to go. But we, re we realize this is not the true life. And therefore, when we don't have the true life, then we don't have true understanding. And why is it that we have such turmoil even with the house of God today? Why is it that, that there are so many who are at odds with one another on their personal belief? I'll tell you simply why. We have people that have embraced the light of this world rather than the true light. We, are, we have embraced the philosophy of this life and this world teaching us this is what's right. This is what's good. This is what's true. And we have swallowed that thing whole. And, and, and some who have swallowed it partially. And all of a sudden, we have all of these different lights flashing. And this light is competing against that light. And even in God's house, people are at odds one with another. And we also need to be careful that we don't use our own personal light. You can say, but I, I don't believe what the world teaches. Wonderful. 
But what about what you teach? What about what you believe? Did you know that in this day and age, in a survey done among those who are born again, those who have embraced Jesus Christ as their Savior, do you realize that less than 50% believe this is God's word for today? It's true. In that same survey, the majority of the people acknowledge that they live their Christian life based upon what they feel is right before God. If I feel it's right, that's how I'm going to live. Because what I'm really saying is my belief, my personal philosophy is my light. I live by my own light. But how many know our light is not the true light? Didn't God say, my ways are not your ways? And my thoughts are not your thoughts? Yeah, but God, this is how I feel. Yeah, don't you know by now that how you feel often contradicts what the word of God teaches us? That's why we need the word of God. Why? Because the psalmist said, your word is a light to my path. Why? Because there are times where I, I neglect God's word and I start living by what I feel is right. I don't feel that God would want me in a marriage that I'm not happy in. And so I'm, I'm making a decision to get a divorce. And I wonder, okay, but what does the word of God say? If this is the light that guides us, if Jesus by his spirit is the true light, what would God say to that? Well, I believe God would want me happy. Where do you find that in the Bible? I've been reading this book for over 35 years. I haven't found that once. There's nowhere to be found in the Bible that God wants you to live a life where you're happy. That's the light of this world. See, our Declaration of Independence says you have the right to the pursuit of happiness. That is the light of this world. And so often we make decisions, spiritual decisions, based upon the light of this world rather than the true light. We make decisions based upon our own personal morality, our own personal light. If I feel, if it feels right, then it is right because that's how I live. And whenever we do that, our personal light can never, ever produce life. And therefore, in the end, you're going to have nothing but death and darkness and here's a simple thought that came to me I wanted to share with you. We cannot overcome darkness with darkness. Amen. You cannot, I cannot, we cannot overcome darkness with darkness. When you see something that is wrong, when you see something that by based upon God's word isn't right, you cannot overcome that by darkness. You got to do it God's way. You and I have to go God's way. Yeah, but 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 they might get over. That's the philosophy in the light of this world. Don't let anybody get over on you. I know that's how I grew up. 
I, my motto going up, nobody's going to get over on me. And sometimes we bring that right into our Christian journey. Nobody's going to get over on me. What I'm getting at this morning, brothers and sisters, what I believe God wants us to see is that only Jesus Christ, who is the true light, can bring us to that place where we have true spiritual understanding and life. When we get to that place where we recognize that, the next thing we got to do is do what the word of God exhorts us. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. How do you do that? How do you, how do, you uh, uh, do that? First, let me back up and say this. The Christian journey is not about pleasing others. You are not on this earth to please others. You are on this earth to please God. Even the the apostle Paul said, if I live my life to please others, I would not be pleasing God. Second of all, you are not on this earth to please yourself. Thank you. Only my wife said amen to that one. (laughs) Got that support. Praise God. Come on, brothers and sisters. I'm touching a nerve this morning. I understand that. The the light of this world says it's all about you and what pleases you. But the Christian journey is the total opposite. The light, the true light says, you follow me. Well, how do you, how do I follow the Lord? I deny myself all the way to the cross. See, the, the Christian journey is not about pleasing others, nor is it about pleasing yourself. Yeah, but I don't want to do those things that God wants me to do. Then it's all about pleasing yourself instead of pleasing God. Yet the word of God exhorts us, live as children of the light. Well, how do I do that? You got to carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And may I add, then do it. Then do it. Why? Because James says, faith without works is dead. What good is it if you know the good that you ought to do, but you don't do it? In fact, James goes on to say, if you know the good that you ought to do and you don't do it, it is sin. But when we carefully determine what pleases the Lord and we do it, now we find light. We begin to live as people of the light. And as Pastor Jason comes, let me just quickly add this about carefully determine what pleases the Lord. There are three basic elements that God uses to help you and I determine what pleases him. Here's the first one, the word of God. We will never truly discover what pleases the Lord if we are never in the book. The word of God helps us to determine what pleases the Lord. Then there is the spirit of God that dwells within us. The Holy Spirit is given to us to lead and guide us into all truth. And the Holy Spirit, by the way, will never contradict God's word. 
So if you say, well, I feel the Spirit is leading me to do this. And if it's contrary to God's word, it ain't the Spirit. It's not the Spirit of God doing it then. The two always complement each other. And here's the third one that often I've discovered most Christians overlook. And that is your godly leadership. There are leadership that's within the structure of the local church that you are a part of is given to you by God to help you determine what pleases God. And when you are in, uh, embrace that, when you come under the umbrella of the leadership that God has placed over you, those three, the word of God, the spirit of God, and the leadership of God will bear witness that you have in fact discovered what pleases God. You have something now concrete that you can move forward on and to accomplish. We are exhorted in God's word to live as children of the light. We're surrounded by spiritual darkness all around us. God has called you and I as his children to shine brightly in a dark world. And I thank God today that we can do that with the help of the Holy Spirit and his word. But we've got to make a decision, don't we? See, shining bright, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you friendships. It's going to cost you with people that are going to disagree with you. But remember, we are not here to please others. Nor are we here to please ourselves. But we're to determine what pleases the Lord. So living in, in the light, understanding by the help of the Holy Spirit was right, was good and true will help me so that I don't say things that will not please the Lord. I stay away from those things that dishonor his name. On social media, I'll be very careful to say, before I hit send, I'm gonna ask, Lord, is what I'm about to send, is that pleasing to you? I think God would save us a lot of heartache. I think we would really please God tremendously in these days where most people are learning to communicate not verbally together, but through social media. If we would just take that moment to say, before I hit send, God, does this please you? It's what I want to say, but is it right in your eyes? Is it good in your eyes? Is it true in your eyes? Will it please you? How am I about to respond to that coworker or to my spouse or to my sibling? The thing I'm about to be engaged in. I want to shine brightly in this dark world. I want to be a light that truly reflects the true light. And I pray this morning 
that that's your desire as well. Stand with me.